Welcome to Dub and Dragon Radio. I'm your host, Emma Roostruck. I'm here with special guest and author, A.G. Fletcher. Welcome. A.G. Fletcher. I have sorry. speech impediment, so I am sorry about that. Oh, okay. Sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to offend. You're not. I don't get offended. I do explain sometimes when okay. I speak. All right. I'm good now. Sorry. <laughs> You're good. So you have three books out. It's, it's the Boone and Jock trilogy. If I haven't seen this correctly. Uh, there's four books out. Well, I'm only seeing three right now, but it's okay. So what got you into writing before we get into the storyline? Okay. Um, when I first started writing before uh, this series, I did a duology called Unforgiven. And a, um, it all started because my mom passed away and I was looking for an outlet to uh, go through the grieving process. So it, that's really what sparked the journey. And then I tried to be a screenwriter and it was too competitive for me. So I just went ahead and gave myself a career change, which was personal trainer. And that didn't work either because I wasn't um, driven enough to really sell myself as a personal trainer so I let that go uh try to write a children's book with a friend and that didn't work and I felt like I needed to be more educated so I completed my bachelor's in creative writing and then that's how Boone and Jack started awesome so we got into it but what is Boone and Jack and what age demographic and a little bit about your book well, for age demographic, people ask me that a lot, and I didn't really focus on an age demographic. I focused on uh, genre interests. So if people are into mystery, adventure, thriller, fantasy, those types of genres, that's what I focused on for the target audience. And it started as somewhat of a YA series, but as the characters uh, got older and progressed in their lives, it became less YA and more uh, for adults that are into fantasy with adult themes that I would say maybe 15, 16 at the youngest should be reading this stuff. I mean, the first book's okay for a little younger. Actually, the youngest reader I had for book one was um, 11 years old. So I don't really focus on age. I focus on interest. Well, it's a very good way to get into the book. But what is some of the ventures that Boone and Jack go on? Well, here in uh, book one, mm -hmm. they discover magical history in, in their town called Saddleton, which is a very urban town where not much happens. And then once they start poking around at, you know, hidden secrets that have to do with more than the normal, uh, they get closer to chaos and that chaos comes to surface and magical beings and kings come through the ground, literally, and then encompass the whole uh, atmosphere of the town. And then because of that, the adults that are aware and unaware 
of that side of the town's history become infatuated with having more and more power and control and being part of like elite groups that uh, have control over the, the town without anyone knowing. So when these young people uh, start to get closer to the truth of how the town became what it is now, um, they get themselves cornered into you know, the chaos that's, that's been spun by all these adults. And then as the series progresses, they either are brought out of town or they move to another town. And then we start to see their progress as human beings, but at the same time, we also see um, how lost they are and who they see themselves as, meaning they don't have parents or peers to guide them in the right direction. So they have to really rely on each other and learn from each other. And of course, whatever I put them through as a writer. <laughs> well, one as a writer is always good to put our characters through a nightmarish situation for them to come out on top of, regardless yeah. of what that nightmare may look like. Because your nightmare may look different from mine. At the same time, how much of this is putting yourself in your in your writing? As in has it how it connects to me? Mm -hmm. um, well, I would say that uh, I'm gonna actually point the characters in the cover here. All right, so that's Boone, who is the more typical urban, you know, you know, uh, urban kid. If you ever read any Stephen King novels, you'd say it's, that's pretty accurate. And, and Jack right here, who's more book smart and logical and philosophical, whereas Boone is more hands-on and goes with his gut instinct. Mm -hmm. So when I was writing those characters, I realized that uh, they're different sides of me, like both, so both sides of the coin of who I am, where the Boone side is my, I guess, anxious uh, and... Um, I guess, grounded version of me where I don't really, there's a part of me that doesn't really focus on being book smart or, or uh, relying on fiction to understand who I am. So I'm very organic at heart. Where mm -hmm. Jacques is my literary side, where I do a lot of reading. I try to educate myself that way as well and learn about life in that respect. And of course, there are uh, secondary characters that have different emotions that I have uh, explored and observed how others explore their own emotions and their journey through life, whether it's something where they'd rather stay the way they are or try to change. Well, that's interesting because you put a lot of things in your books. You have your your characters are growing as people. And in the real life, we have to grow as individuals, but sometimes we need art to understand how to grow. Yeah, and that's, that's ultimately how these two characters uh, support each other, is to see art and life as this balance that uh, teaches us, you know, both the black and white of life and the gray areas where 
Boone uses as he becomes an adult uh, art, as in paint, to uh, creatively understand his emotions and his repressed emotions due to trauma that I won't spoil for the listeners here mm -hmm. because that's what you'll see here uh, by book four, which I have right here. Which is available on Amazon. All right. Um, in book four, which came out probably midsummer, uh, what was really important to me with this book is that they see how they became as adults, but more importantly, how lost they are due to years of repressed emotion and trying to ignore uh, what happened to them in the past, or even people in their past that were, I guess, the foundation of what made them now. So, yeah. That's very interesting because we have a lot of adults today are very lost. And you're pointing something out that they're lost because of the people they hang around with, the parents they grew up with, or the education they had growing up. They're just lost. They may have the 80,000 year job, but at the same time, they're not fulfilled because they don't have the mindset and they don't understand that they are lost yeah that's that's an interesting point and i'm i'm glad you connected that because um in the last book i'm working on for the series book five which is called sahon i talked to this uh trauma specialist to understand what happens to someone when they repress their trauma and they she said that um when you don't disperse the energy that is stored in you when a trauma happens mm -hmm. it becomes this festering energy that creates self traps because you didn't take the time to disperse the energy through the people that you are interconnected with mm -hmm. and i never realized that until i started talking to people about the loss of my mother um the romance scam i was involved in and all these things that truly affected me on a deeper level than I ever thought possible. And once I was able to be raw and honest with people, I was far more comfortable with myself and less anxious about you know, any decision I make. So I wanted that for my characters for the final book where yes, I put, through, put them through similar uh, scenarios of chaos or more intense than usual because it's more psychological and philosophical but it still teaches them new things to kind of end cap their uh character arc that will allow them to be settled in their adulthood right and a lot of adults don't understand that you can't carry that emotional baggage with you. You have to let it go. You're doing this in a form of artwork with a, your books, your characters. You're teaching people how to do this and it's very important. You did it from a work of fiction, but at the same time, you're teaching people it's okay to let the past go. You have to let it go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the word that always comes back to me once I've worked through my issues is let the past be a memory, not stored energy that is toxic to you that you're too afraid to release due to the 
uh, the dark, the darkness of it and the severity of that uh, trauma. Exactly. It doesn't matter what the trauma is. And a lot of people, adults today, have trauma. If you grew up it through the 70s, through the 90s, you have trauma somewhere in there. Something, yeah. somehow you have some kind of trauma that's holding you back. Once you figure out what it is holding you back, you can work through it and move forward. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, in book three, this one, mm -hmm. all right, that was, that was a pivotal moment for the characters because in that timeline, they are 15 years old. And although that's a very young age to learn anything substantial about yourself, because of how far they are from feeling safe in the town that started everything in terms of their journey, um, they still have that intimacy and chemistry that allows them to, to grow, not just with each other, but separately as well. Because that's what happens in book three is a few things happen that obligates them to be separated, but that gives them the opportunity to grow as a person before they're reunited. Mm -hmm. And I want to um, make it well-rounded for the end of this series by doing something similar where two characters have been segregated from each other and from their loved ones in order for them to go down this path to finalize whatever unresolved issues they have. And then when they're reunited once more, the, the whole um, journey as a person and as a character will be fulfilled enough that if I were to ever reintroduce them in another book, I don't have to explore anything else and they're uh, however old they are. Now, are you thinking about doing more books after this, this series as a separate series? Oh yeah, of course. Um, I'm, I'm actually, I already did a couple uh, information interviews with uh, criminology professors in uh, South Africa and I think Michigan State, uh, where I'm trying to understand the mindset of a serial killer, which is the first standalone novel I'm doing when the series is over. A serial killer origin story, which I have officially named Black Rose Cocoon. The, the idea is that this female serial killer um, has a pattern where she kills people she either knows or has some kind of infatuation or loving uh, connection to them. It's, it's kind of my way of saying the opposite of what I did to Boone and Jack, where they had their trauma that was stored in them when they were young and then let it go over time. Where in this serial killer origin story, it's going to be more focused on what happens to someone that has suffered severe trauma and has uh, an uncontrollable impulse that just gets them further and further down into a, uh, a mental state that makes them unrecognizable to the people who know them. So, yeah, but I have a lot more than that. <laughs>
after that well, book is done. Well, that's a good thing. Well, you're taking something, a topic, female serial killer. Those are very rare in today's society, which is good. Mm -hmm. I mean, even through history, a female serial killer is very rare. Then you're going into the origin of what made them that way. It's yeah. not just you're hunting a female serial killer. It's mm -hmm. a, what made them tick. I don't yeah. think any comparable books that are out there. No, I mean, I've, I've seen a couple of books that uh, have a dark female lead, but there's never been uh, any reasoning behind someone being murderous. And that's the, one of the things I learned when I was doing these interviews where they say a male killer usually kills at random. Like there's no uh, emotion or reasoning behind that kill. It's just an impulse they have that they can't control. Where female killers are what one teacher told me, opportunist, meaning there's some kind of justification or reasoning as to why they kill a certain uh, type of person. For example, Eileen Warnos. Uh, I, I don't know if you don't know if you know who that is. She was a female uh, female serial killer uh, that only killed middle-aged white men, which related back to her father issues. So that's what the whole uh, basis is of my story, is that I want to show people that even though this is a monster, mm -hmm. there is still a human side to them that has caused this uh, new persona over time as they became an adult that has become who they are. So basically a negative character arc. Very interesting concept. I mean, we know, but from watching like things like IGT or IDTV and things like this, there's always stories of the why. Usually it's, if you're talking about a male killer, like you said, it's usually at random. Mm -hmm. Actually, but you go into the female killers, there's usually a why. Females are usually very analytical when they're choosing a mark. Yeah. So taking that and making a story and bringing the human back to the monster. Yeah. That is something we have to remember. They're still a human being. We have to figure out what the issue is. Exactly. And that, that, that's why I've been you know, kind of multitasking while I'm writing uh, the final book of Boone and Jack, because I know that because this is a standalone novel, I have to be very careful with how I craft this beforehand, mm -hmm. meaning before I put pen to paper, because I have one shot to not only make this character and story memorable, but I have to create some kind of realism to it, even if the atmosphere and world I create around this person seems a bit more um unworldly like for example the town that the city that she lives in sorry city mm -hmm. is called Halberton city which is an amalgamation of new york cairo egypt and a little bit of uh of england and in this gotham kind of you know grungy city there's things that don't really exist in our world for example there's something called blueberry tobacco Blueberry tobacco is a type of tobacco with a, a certain uh, chemical inside that when you inhale the tobacco, it has your 
I guess your 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 um your sweet tooth, the mm -hmm. thing that you like the most, food wise, the taste of it. So I wanted something, you know, unique to to the city because everyone knows that what a cigarette is. Mm -hmm. and I wanted to put a little spin on it that's not too far-fetched but interesting enough for people to be like that's kind of weird but it gets retention. You're creating a, sur a surreal environment which is great and it was works out great for film. We see this in the Marvel things mm -hmm. we see this yeah. in other things every day. You have to have a surreal feel but still keep the real world nuances. Yeah, of course. I mean, what I'm doing with, with this whole city is I'm making it so big and so dense that whatever timeline I pick for other stories that revolve around uh, a very busy city, that this atmosphere create can be diverse and allow different tones for other books. For example, uh, in another book I'm working on for... Uh, for this town, this city, it, it's, um, what was it called? Well, actually, I don't have a title yet, but I'm doing a brother-sister uh, adventure story. And essentially, it's kind of my adaptation or uh, inspiration from The Talisman by Stephen King. I don't know if you know that book, but it's, it was a real favorite of mine when I read it. And I just wanted to, you know, do something uh, in that uh, in that genre. Awesome. I mean, I'm a big Stephen King uh, movie and book buff, but at the same time, I haven't read or seen everything that he's done. I know enough to know when it, my limits are with the horror genre. genre. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, using a book or a mentor through books, that is great. Now you have a way that you want to structure and you're very analytic how you structure, which is great. At the same time, you're creating something completely different. Yeah, I mean, the thing about me is <laughs> I get bored easily and I don't want to bore my audience. That's why this, this whole uh, Boone and Jack series has been a great practice run for standalone novels that I will do in the future because I try to tackle as many uh, genres and tones and different interpretations of how people, you know, act and and react and all this stuff. It it just it allows me to show you the audience that life is very interesting and it may seem dull at times and dark at times, but there's always some kind of chaotic imbalance that keeps us on our toes in a good way very true we need that imbalance we need the dark to go with the light you can't have light all the time you can't have darkness all the time you have to have the two to work together exactly um when i was first writing this series i didn't really think of any of that it was just the the first book was just me trying to not be so paranoid about when i finished something and and not uh, worry too much about the execution of whatever I write. But once I started seeing how the characters were taking shape as they got older, I saw the potential for this series to be 
more than what I made it to be in the beginning. Very true. That's always a good thing, though. Mm -hmm. Now, you might finish your book and go, oh, there's another story here, but by another character. Yeah, I mean, I always try to be careful with, with endings because I don't, uh, how can I put this? I try not to know the ending ahead of time. When I, when I hear about authors being overly structured and trying to outline the entire story, I'm like, but then you're cementing yourself into one version of your story. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to have a basic idea of what you want your story to be and how it ends, fine. But if you know for sure what, how it's going to end, you might not like the ending. And then you have to start all over again, where you could just see the first draft as the blueprint for you to play with. Right. Well, we are almost out of time. So where can our listeners and our viewers find you? I have a few social medias, all with the same handle, E.G. Flitcher. You can contact me through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Awesome. Well, it's so great having you on the show today. Thank you for having me. And of course, my dogs are going to interrupt That's the last two seconds of the show. <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so wonderful. And thank you for being on the show. And thank for, for all of our listeners and our viewers, happy reading. Oh.